Hello, all you scientists out there. Welcome to the Science Behind That podcast. I am your host, Atticus Hamilton, and in the Science Behind That podcast, we take a deep dive into the science of everyday life. Things from what is maple syrup and how is it made to why does my phone wirelessly charge? Things from what are vaccines and how do they work to how does group psychology work? And why do I behave the way I do when I'm with a group of friends? So welcome on in, everybody. Grab yourself a cup of coffee, add some maple syrup to it, sit back, relax, and join us for our Monday and Friday episodes of The Science Behind Mass. scientists out there and welcome back to the science behind that podcast. I'm your host Atticus Hamilton and on today's episode we are going to be talking essentially about the reason why I was gone for three episodes. Um, The reason I was gone for three episodes was because I was studying for my midterm exams which are today. So um, hopefully those go well but How can they not? It is a beautiful Friday morning here where I live. So let's get right into it. So today we are going to be discussing the science of learning. Um, And you know what? Before Before we get into something that you guys can learn about, grab yourself a cup of coffee, add a little maple syrup in it, and let's let's sit right down for today's episode. So I think a lot of people think that learning is you know, as, as simple as, um, you read something new and then something happens in your brain and, uh, you, you form synapses and you now know that material. Um, but the process of learning itself is actually quite complex. Um, it's actually quite complex and and surprisingly complex, I think, uh, when I first learned about this uh, years ago in uh, my psychology classes, I-, I was really intrigued by it because, you know, I never thought of it, of, of learning information as something that was really that complex. So let's start. Let's start. So when you learn new material, whether it be when you read a new book or when you study your histology flashcards for an exam that you have may or may not be from personal experience um what you're doing is first that memory right that first that memory goes into what is called short-term memory and i know a lot of people um say i have short-term memory loss or i can't remember that Technically speaking, it is not short-term memory loss. It is an inability to translate short-term memory from long-term memory. So the way this works is short-term memory lasts on average between 30 seconds to a minute. And the way this works is we learn something, we read something, right? And that information is stored in short-term memory. And it stays there for about 30 seconds to a minute until we try and recall it, right? Now, when we recall it, that moves from short-term memory to long-term memory. So, 
just after that 30 seconds of, of storing it, it moves to um, long-term memory. But it, but the process of learning doesn't stop there, right? If it did, that would be amazing. <laughs> if if all we had to do would be read to read something once and then stop, and we know that material, that would be amazing. But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. So the memory moves from the short-term memory into the long-term memory where it is stored in the form of electrochemical gradients between neurons and so how does this work then from a neuronal level right well from a neuronal level so when you're reading something you have a visual input and that visual input goes to your occipital cortex in the back of the brain for visual processing okay that visual information is processed into data and from that your brain determines where does it need to go in the brain does it need to go for more complex processing i.e are you reading something and does meaning need to be derived out of it or is it, are you seeing a, a dangerous animal do you need to run once it's processed in the occipital cortex in the instance of this example reading a new book reading a new textbook we'll say that information then moves from the occipital cortex to generally the frontal lobe region of the brain for complex higher-up processing. Um, and that's where the fun starts. Now, what's happening here is when you're learning new information, one neuron is basically talking to another neuron through first electrons so we have the neur neuronal cell body which is just like the head of the neuron and then this tail called an axon right and when you're learning new information that neuron the head of the neuron receives a signal and a charge travels down the axon of the neuron from the head to the dendrites now what is the point of this and and what is this charge this charge is simply a difference in calcium and potassium levels within the axon and outside the axon. To, to think of this another way, if any of you guys have ever seen those clocks that you don't need to like put batteries in, you just fill them up with water and they charge, or they, they showed the time because of electricity from the water, because the water is corroding one panel but not corroding the other. Very, very similar thing. Um, you're you're just moving ions in this case calcium and phos uh, or calcium and potassium inside and outside of the axon or of the tail of the neuron and that creates what is called a chemical gradient basically it's just there's a different concentration of calcium on the inside to the outside wow that's <laughs> that's basically a chemical gradient and so that travels down to the end of the of the neuron uh to the to the end of the tail there and once that chemical gradient gets to the end using what are called electrons which i'm sure a lot of you guys know what electrons are um but if you don't they orbit around atoms and they are the key component of electricity using electrons what happens is those electrons bind to certain things in the tail of the neuron causing a release of chemicals called neurotransmitters.
Now, where do these neurotransmitters go, you may ask? Well, the way neurons are arranged in neuronal tissue is you have one head of a neuron very close to the tail of another neuron. And the gap between the head and the tail is essentially called the synaptic gap or synaptic junction. And that is where those neurotransmitters are released. But what does that do, right? What that does is that is essentially the same thing as if you are connecting a computer to your Wi-Fi wirelessly. You're telling your Wi-Fi that that computer is there, but you're not physically connecting it, right? So when you use your computer, then any data you transmit transmits or transmit on it goes through your router wirelessly, but your router knows it's there. And you're doing the exact same thing with the neurons in your head, except you're doing it chemically. And so what's happening is when you're reading new information, all of this is happening very, very fast. And you're forming essentially wireless connections between two neurons in your head or more than two neurons in your brain that the next time you see that information, they can release those neurotransmitters from one to the other much quicker, therefore, or thereby allowing you to remember that information. And so then where does the whole, you know, recall thing come from? Well, like, for example, why did they say, why is it that if we practice information, we remember it better? There is a lot of discussion as to why this is, but most likely it's just because you are exercising that connection between those two neurons. So the more you exercise it, the faster it can occur. Just it's the exact same thing as if you're playing a video game and you're trying to get better at playing the video game. The more you play the video game, the better you'll get. It's the exact same thing. And so that's basically it ladies and gentlemen that is basically how memory works and so i i don't feel right it doesn't feel right of me to leave this episode without um talking about some of the ways that we can better or that we can learn things more efficiently and that um we can do to increase our ability to learn new material in a shorter amount of time and these are actual things it's not like the ads you see on YouTube or on Google, you know, increase your memory by 700% with this simple life hack. And it's not that at all. (laughs) Um, But there are two big techniques that I really like to talk about in um, from the psychology perspective. One is called the um, the point, uh, the point focus method of um, memory. And then the other one is called the method of loci. So the point focus method of memory is essentially where you take some fact that you want to learn and you associate it with a number. And so anytime you think of that number, you think of that fact that you want to learn. So let's say, for example... A fact that we want to learn is that reticular fibers and tissue stain black. Okay? Just a random example. Um, so we say that 6 equals reticular tissue stain black. And then so what you do is every time you say that, you, you add the 6 in front of it. So then when you're doing your exam 
or your test or whatever you're doing this for, all you have to do in your head is think of the number six and then you're like, oh, reticular fiber stained black. Um, my personal favorite of, um, of memory, and then there's one other we can talk about really quick about numbers, which is actually kind of interesting. My favorite um, uh, method of, of, of memory or method of learning new material is called the method of, of loci, and it's really interesting. So it's, let's say, so you take a building, a building that you're very, very familiar with, okay? You write down what you want to know, all the things that you want to know on pieces of paper, pieces of, or uh, flashcards, right? Glucose is C6H12O6. Um, meteorology means a weatherman. Um... <laughs> Their lasers are concentrated beams of photons, whatever it is, right? And you leave it in places around that location that you know really, really well. So let's say it's a parking garage. Maybe you tape on a piece or on a um, note card above the elevator button, glucose is C6H12O6. That way, or then in your head, all you have to do is you think about walking through that building. But every time you think about walking through that building, you add those terms, that, that thing that you want to remember, you add that in that position in your mind when you're walking through it. So eventually, you don't even need to walk through it. You can just say, elevator, oh, C6H12O6 is glucose. That's the method of loci. And I really like that one. It actually works really well for me. I've used it like in immunology. It actually works really, really well. I recommend all of you guys try it. Just see what happens. And then the last one, of course, is, is mainly for numbers. But it's called the method or the chunking method or the method of chunking. Um, and all that is is that humans remember things better in sets of three. Uh, we remember things a lot better in sets of three. So, if you have a long string of numbers, whatever it is, right, it's a lot easier to remember that string of numbers if you split it up into chunks of three and four than it is if you try and remember it all at once. And that's just because our brains like patterns and they love um, sets of three for whatever reason. Fun fact here, to prove that we love sets of three, a lot of people really like songs by Post Malone. Ladies and gentlemen, you want to know the reason why? Because Post Malone writes all of his songs in triplets. And our brains really, really like sets of three. And triplets are just sets of three. Um, another example is I think when everybody remembers our social security number, they split it up in sets of three and, and, and four, right? You remember it better if you do that. Um, and so that can be applied to a lot of things, not just numbers. Um, uh, human anatomy is oftentimes taught through that method. It's called regional anatomy or the method of regional anatomy study, which is basically a fancy word for we're chunking up human anatomy into little regions, <laughs> little sets of three. And so, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to today's episode. Um, again, I'm sorry about not posting the last couple of days. 
I have been studying for my midterms, which I'm taking today, so that should go well, hopefully, knock on wood. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much, and as always, if you ever have questions or suggestions or comments about the show, never be afraid to shoot me an email at thesciencebt at gmail.com. And without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, have a beautiful Friday morning. I will see you guys all in the next one. And remember, as always, stand up and question everything.